let's do it. Welcome back to uh, Trek to Manliness podcast, episode eight. With me today is my friend Michael Fleischer. Michael, how you doing? Doing well. Thank you for having me. Excellent. No problem. Um, can you tell us a little, tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, definitely. I am a senior here at Hillsdale. I'm uh, actually in the same fraternity as Nick, ATO. Ooh, ooh. And uh, I'm a history major, double minor in finance and French. Uh, couldn't decide what I wanted to do in college, so I tried to do it all. Um, I am, I guess, more directly pertaining to what we're going to talk about today. Um, I'm getting married May 10th, three days after my graduation. Uh, and then June 2nd, I start an investment banking job up in Minneapolis. So my uh, new wife and I will be moving up there um, from Denver, Colorado. Nice. That, that's really it. Yeah. Seems like you got it all laid out. That's very good. That's I, I, uh, that's the, it's an illusion. Yeah. I do my best. <laughs> nice. Well, um, so you're getting married soon in, how, like, what, four months, three months, maybe? Uh, yeah. After Close, graduation? The 27th. Yeah. Right after graduation, really. Very nice. Well, congratulations on thank that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so can you talk a little bit about, because how old are you? 21. 21. So, and you'll be 21 when you get married, I'm yep. assuming. So that's generally pretty young for especially today's culture. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I guess I, I, I neglected to say early, I'm, I'm a practicing Roman Catholic, uh, and that has everything to do with my decision, um, both to get married, come to Hillsdale, the career I'm going into, uh, my family, my past, uh, and the way I see my future. And to me, as a, as a Catholic growing up, I always knew there were two things that I was going to do, or two, two choices I had. Uh, either to become a priest or to get married and have kids. Uh, I, I did not even consider the, the single life or the consecrated life. Mm-hmm. Um, I discerned pretty quickly that God was not calling me to the priesthood for various reasons. Uh, while I've been attracted to it before, it was fleeting, uh, and it was more for the idea of, you know, uh, spending my life in a monastery brewing beer with the boys. Yeah. That's, but that's not what it's, that's not what, uh, a call to the priesthood is supposed to be. And so it was pretty easy for me to rule that out. So what I was left with was, okay, I know my call. I know my vocation. God wants me to be, to get married and be a father and husband. Uh, a common thing I hear from people is, okay, yeah, I get that. You're, you're, God's calling you to be a father and a husband, but why now? Aren't you just rushing? You just picked the first girl who wanted to get married and uh, now you're going to do that? Well, I think there's a fine line between this, um, not necessarily, uh, not love at first sight, more so like um, there's one person out there for you and then there's many people you can build a life with. Um, I definitely lean more towards the latter that there are many people you can build a life with, uh, but it takes time to cultivate a good relationship. Um, so I guess for context, I met my current fiance, uh, freshman year. We were friends since like day one. Okay. Same freshman group. We started dating, um, in March of our freshman year after the March for life. And was she your first girlfriend or had... Had you had others before? So she was my first girlfriend, okay. and I was her first boyfriend. Okay. So we came in with really no uh, no history of dating, of 
starting um, from scratch kind of deal. Yeah. yeah. And that definitely presents some difficulties. And a lot of my friends back home are like, oh, that's crazy. Don't you want someone who's more experienced in relationships? Mm-hmm. How are you going to know what you want? Uh, for me and, and my fiance, we both found very quickly that we can use this to our benefit because no, we had no harmful past for, of, of bad breakups or even or good breakups. And instead, we were able to kind of build everything we knew about relationships together. Yeah. And so we skipped through the, I guess you could say, honeymoon phase uh, where everything is just sunshine and um, sunshine and rainbows and went, went really straight to work. Um, we spent a lot of time talking about how we're either going to break up one day or we're going to get married. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to say we're getting married right off the bat. That'd be crazy. Yeah. And so instead, we just focused on how can we help each other grow in faith? How can we be better friends, like better friends to each other? And what does it mean to build a Catholic relationship in college in our modern society? Obviously, mm-hmm. it's very different being here at Hillsdale. It makes things a lot easier because you're surrounded by very, very good people, very religious culture here. Yep. Um, but it, it, it has not always been easy. So... I know I've rambled a bit, but to kind of go back to your question, how did I, how did I really figure this out so young? Mm-hmm. The older I got, I hear, or the, the, in, here in college, uh, it was more pressing that I needed to plan what I wanted to do. Job, you know, where I'm moving, if I want to stay with my fiance right now or not. Um, and this past summer, I had uh, a a crucible experience where I was faced with the decision once and for all. I lived alone. I had an internship in Des Moines. Very exciting city, you know? Yeah. Um, that was sarcasm for all you listeners. Um, and I lived alone in a small studio apartment. And all I did was work. And I realized very quickly... This is a life that most people lead after college. And on the weekends, you go to the bars, you have fun with people, you try to meet people, you party, mm-hmm. or you just keep working. You go play golf, you do this or that. And I was very miserable. Um, best part of my day was when I'd come home from work, I'd work out, I'd cook dinner, and as I cooked dinner, I'd talk to my fiance, or I'd call one of, the, one of you guys. Um, and I learned very quickly, I know what my vocation is. It really just hit me one day when I was in church. I know my vocation is God is calling me to be a father and a husband. And I have before me a woman who has already made it clear that she wants to marry me. uh, And I want to marry her because one, I love her. Obviously Mm -hmm. you need that. And two, if I waited, I, I already saw what I'd be waiting for sitting alone in my apartment, going out to bars and just working all the time. Yeah. It was miserable. Yeah, that's not much of a thing to wait for. No, I mean, people people talk about, you know, you get out of college, it's the most exciting time of your life. Well, I didn't find it exciting. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was because I was in Des Moines. Yeah, but it wasn't possibly. very exciting. I, I, I came home, I worked out, I sat around, I read, went on a bike ride, did all the things, like I went to the grocery store, I did all this stuff alone. Mm-hmm. And it was just not fulfilling. The only, time, the only times I enjoyed is when Friends would visit me or I'd call my fiance 
or uh, or when I was at Mass. Um, it was a great summer. It was very formative, but I realized very quickly that's not the le- the life I want to lead. Yeah, and sometimes you need those crucible experiences to have that that kind of I- those kinds of ideas. Definitely, I would not have been able to make this dish- this decision were it not for that that formative summer. Mm-hmm. So. What, what has your relationship with Maya, how has that helped you like grow as a man and become more virtuous throughout college? Yeah. Oh, well, the easy one obviously is, uh, is chastity and purity. Um, it's very difficult. Uh, I don't feel, I don't feel the need to go into detail because every guy in a relationship in, in every girl knows this. this is a very difficult thing. And there's a fine line between being puritanical and being hedonistic. Um, being puritanical causes a lot of problems psychologically uh, because after a while, you know, you need, you know, like you need the attraction. I don't need to get too philosophical here, but that's important. Like you need to, you need to love the person you're with mm-hmm. and you need to be attracted to them. Uh, on the flip side, if you're too hedonistic, your relationship devolves into just physical activity, sexual activity. Uh, and so that's something we've had to work with a lot. And that has made me definitely, definitely stronger. And it, you know, sexual morality is not something you can just kind of figure out by yourself. It has, it has helped me develop much better friendships with the guys in our fraternity. Uh-huh. And it has forced me to really take my faith more seriously because it is not something I can do without God's help. Yeah. Uh, aside from that patience, Oh my Lord, you need a lot of patience in a relationship. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's been, that's been a great help to me, um, is learn to be patient. And at the end of the day, I've really learned, you know, it's all a sacrifice. Every day you wake up and you have to be, be willing to pick up your cross, Mm -hmm. uh, for your for your uh, girlfriend, your fiance, your spouse. Um, that's not to say it's miserable. Yeah, I mean Christ picked up his cross willingly. I'm not comparing myself to Christ, but you need to do that. You need to be willing to sacrifice. That's what that's what my dad always told me. Fatherhood and being a husband is about sacrifice. It's about laying down your life daily for your your spouse and your children. Yeah, uh, and so I've always tried to keep that in the back of my head, even though I'm not a husband or a father yet. Would you say Maya, your fiance, do would you say you put her before her needs before your own generally? I would say I try. You try. If you asked her, she'd probably give you an answer. <laughs> a different answer, yeah. Uh yeah, I, I definitely I definitely try to. And you th- you think that's something that like builds a good relationship. Definitely. Okay. Definitely. I mean, there are times where I can tell she really needs me around when she's anxious or uh busy with school and just wants to be with me or or she needs something mm-hmm. like she doesn't have time to go get dinner I'll go get dinner for her there is a when, when you do it when you sacrifice yourself for your uh, girlfriend fiance spouse there is a I hate to use the word feeling but there is a there is a there's this very strong feeling you get where you know you, you just did something right. And you can hmm. see you can see it on 
I can see it on her face when I do something really, really helpful to her. Uh, and I, it's not just, you don't just sacrifice yourself for so you can get this little warm, fuzzy feeling. Uh, but the satisfaction I get knowing that I successfully was able to sacrifice myself for her when she's in need, that makes it all worth it. Yeah. It makes it all worth it. Even if she didn't recognize it. Um, I know deep down that she appreciates it. And uh, she does the same for me. So it's not all one-sided. Yeah. But a relationship is sacrificed. Interesting. So maybe like what's one little piece of advice you would give someone in a relationship or maybe about to get married or... Yeah. yeah. Pray. pray, pray a lot and pray with your girlfriend, boyfriend, fiance, whatever. Uh, we pray every night together, either in person or over the phone, even here at school. I'll just give her a call for like five minutes. And we'll say a prayer together. What do you, how do you guys pray together? Uh, we usually just say a couple prayers, the same, St. Michael's prayer, mm-hmm. uh, three Hail Marys, our father, glory be, you know, mm-hmm. you have to make it your own. Yeah. Um, I've talked to other guys in, in ATO who, uh, who pray with their girlfriends and, uh, you know, sometimes they read a devotional together. Sometimes mine, I say the rosary, uh, you know, for Catholics, you know, we, we go to confession together once a week or once every other week. Mm-hmm. And that's important too, because it's not enough to just go to mass together and to pray together. We need to atone for your mistakes together. Yeah. Uh, and that has really helped us. Some of our best conversations have come out of going to confession together. Hmm. So really pray together. That is extremely important. And then just honesty. Yeah. Uh, there's a part of the uh, Alcoholics Anonymous program uh, that tells you to live a life of radical honesty. And that's something my dad used to tell my siblings and I all the time. Uh, build a relationship of radical honesty. Because if someone's hiding something or if someone's unsettled, uh, that will cause problems. It doesn't just go away. I have learned that. It does not go away. It needs to be addressed. So sometimes you, have to, you just have to grow a pair and address it. Yeah. Uh, because most often, um, at least in my relationship, Maya, uh, Maya doesn't usually address it first. Um, but I will say in her defense, she is uh, much more capable of thinking about it deeply than I. Yeah. She's more intelligent than I am, but... Yeah, pray and honesty. That's really that's really my two biggest pieces of advice. That's really good. Um, yeah, that's great. So, moving on to sort of a violent subject change. You're a big history buff. I am history major, addict even. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there maybe a particular time or person or place in history that you've learned a lot from um, towards being a man that you can speak on? Mm, definitely. Well, my favorite period of history is definitely the Middle Ages. Um, but if I had to choose one person, I would pick uh, uh, T.E. Lawrence or Lawrence of Arabia. Um, I uh, I brought a quote from him, and I want it illustrates my my love for him and why I am so taken with his story. So here's a quote from T.E. Lawrence's. Uh, novel slash autobiography it's really not a biography but um it's a little uh, sensationalized mm-hmm. all men dream but not equally those who dream by night in the dusty recesses of their minds wake in the day to find that it was vanity but the dreamers of the day are dangerous men for they may act on their dreams with open eyes to make them possible uh 
Lawrence of Arabia, or T.E. Lawrence, was a was a dreamer by day. So a little background on him and why I love him. Um, he was a uh, he was a bastard child. Um, he was actually born in the same county in Ireland where my family is from, which oh. I just learned recently. Hmm. Uh, but he was a student of history, like myself, and was an archaeologist in um, in the Middle East, particularly around uh, Palestine. Oh, cool. And was drafted into the British uh, Foreign Service um, for the Army during World War One, And he quickly struck up a relationship with uh, Emir Faisal, who was uh, the, the leader of um, many of the largest tribes in Arabia. Mm-hmm. And he and Faisal worked together to um agitate in the area against the Germans because there are a lot of there's a lot of German activity um particularly surrounding a train um cutting across the desert really the only way to go, to, to go across this one desert and if you've ever seen the movie Lawrence of Arabia which I highly recommend everyone listening watch it is one of the greatest movies of all time it is extremely long find the director's cut it is so worth your time it is amazing a great scene where Lawrence, uh, who quickly adopted the Arabian lifestyle and culture and dress, uh, standing atop a train as uh, as his Arabian comrades uh, blow it up, and he's raising his hand in the air, and you can see it's, it's a strange moment where this this British officer, who's dressed like an Arabian prince is surrounded by thousands of Arabians who are all cheering him on as their leader. It's very, very strange. Um, the reason I love him is not just because of his almost mythic persona, although that is why, uh, to some degree, but he he truly was a dreamer by day. He envisioned a united uh, Arabia. Um, and unfortunately, politically, due to... Uh, the Sykes-Picot Agreement. Don't need to get into that, but uh, France and France and England basically divided up the Middle East mm-hmm. um, into what we see today, and that's why there's so much conflict. And Lawrence fought against that. Uh, and there's a good scene in the movie towards the end where you see the culmination of everything he's been working towards, trying to unite these people, trying to do what's right for them. Uh, when he realizes that is not going to happen, when he realizes his failure, and it's not necessarily his failure. Uh, but it's the failure of the system that he trusted. And he leaves. He goes home and he never returns to Arabia. Um, but it's almost, uh, it's like the Teddy Roosevelt quote. It's the man in the arena. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even though he fails, he tried his hardest. Uh, and the movie portrays that very well. And his book, The Seven Pillars of Wisdom, is also an amazing book. It's like 800 pages. Pick it up over the summer. Highly recommend you read it. It has been very helpful to me. Um, but I really like Lawrence of Arabia because he illustrates the importance of dreams. Yeah. Having a dream, having a purpose and fighting for it, never stopping. Um, and in the end, even though he was defeated, it was not because he had a lack of effort. Um, he was defeated by outside forces, Yeah. but he never, he never stopped. Um, and he is just, he's just an amazing mythic figure so i highly recommend everyone looking to him uh, and he died tragically in 1935 at a, at a young age from a motorcycle accident in england oh. um 
but a fascinating, fascinating character. And he's been very, uh, very helpful in my life. That's good to hear. That's very interesting. Thank you for sharing all that. Um, well, do you have anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Not really. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's good to talk about um, my relationship. I I, li- I like being open with that because uh, I would not be where I am today with my fiance were it not for other people being honest with me. Yeah. Um, and I think that's very important. And, oh, one more, th- one more thing I guess I will say is don't just talk to your uh, girlfriend or fiance or boyfriend about um, about your relationship. Mm-hmm. Talk to other guys you trust. Yeah. Talk to friends. Uh, form groups. Um, there are a lot of guys in ATO, obviously, who have uh, girlfriends and fiancés. Yep. And make a habit of talking to each other because uh, that's where you find solace and strength. And uh, it's hard doing it all alone. It's hard being a man in this in this world. Yeah, it is. So form form groups. Yeah. Having fraternity of men is very important. Um, having that support network is honestly like crucial. Um, so I'm just going to end with a quote here. I think it really applies to what you were saying earlier about, um, you know, sacrificing for each other in a relationship. It's by Benjamin Franklin. He says, when you're good to others, you're best to yourself. Thank you for joining us and have a good day. See you next time.